Welcome to the Awaken the Awesome podcast with your host, Olivier D. This is Awaken the Awesome, a podcast bringing a down-to-earth approach to personal growth. On this show, we're helping individuals just like you learn about tapping into their incredible potential through insightful interviews and inspiring lessons. Our mission is to encourage you to always keep pushing towards achieving your dreams and to stay awesome along the way. Hello, hello, awesome tribe, and welcome back to another episode of the Awaken the Awesome podcast. How are you guys doing? Um, I want to take uh, two seconds to check in with you guys, making sure that you guys are doing well. Uh, this is May. Uh, this may be very you know, prominent on the calendar, being Mental Health Awareness Month. I know a lot of people talk about mental health, and uh, I know I certainly do. Because mental health is definitely something that you should not take for granted. You know, you take care of your physical health, you take care of your financial health, you take care of your spiritual health. But please do not put your mental health aside. Mental health is something that you need to pour into. It's a, it's a reservoir that you need to fuel and you need to mind that. Some of us has, have bigger struggles than others. And it's definitely something that you need to pay attention to. So, you know, whether it's a friend, whether it's a colleague, whether it's your employer's employee assistance program, whether it's better help, what, there are resources out there. Not all of us can afford, you know, a therapist or a psychiatrist or a, or a physician. You definitely need to make sure. And if everything's okay, that is great. I wish nothing but wellness unto you. But also make sure that you are whole, that you are centered, and that everything is squared away. Also, um, I know I say this a lot, but I'm taking a lot more, um, a lot more time to, you know, just let you guys know how important it is. First of all, that, that I appreciate you. I really appreciate every single person, every single listen, every single play, every single share, um, every single reshare, every single comment that you guys share. I really, really, really do. And it matters so, 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 so much that anyone can just like drop a like, drop a, drop a share. It's just that I'm needing to put this at the beginning of the episode because one of the things I'm really trying to do is, you know, just put this podcast on overdrive and that cannot happen without the community. One of the places that I unfortunately am noticing that I am failing is letting you guys know how truly important it is for you guys to make uh, give us some ratings on the platforms, whether it's on Spotify, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, whatever your podcast you know platform of choice, ratings and comments are very, very important. For some reason, we well not for some reason, we have come down to the existence of the algorithms having say, having the last say. And this is how podcasts stand out. You know, podcasts can are coming and going. Everybody in their Chihuahua has a podcast. And the ones that are standing out are those who can show that you genuinely have people who back you up, who people who stand behind you. It's not just the download metric because bots do exist. But comments and ratings comes from people like you who are listening to this like, you know what? I love Ali's show. I love what he's doing. He's been doing this for six years and he's still doing it. And he's giving us, you know, quality content. He's bringing us amazing perspectives, amazing guests. And if that's really what you do believe and you do find value and truth and you believe that this show has some form of merit, some form of worth that is worth worthy of sharing, please, I encourage you, please, 
I know I put this always in the tagline at the end of the episode, but I'm really taking a second just just to let you guys know how deeply important it is for this podcast to get to the next level. You really need to share and let people know that this podcast exists. I cannot do it without you. I know I have my own efforts to do in terms of marketing. And, uh, you know, that's another that's basically onto me. But in terms of the organic reach and the organic growth of this podcast, it's definitely something that I can only ask you guys humbly and truthfully to share. Um, So that being said, today's episode is, uh, I have to say, kind of a very special one. I recorded this a while back and I'd taken a lot of time before publishing it. Simply because while listening to it during the editing stage, I realized that I was kind of a weird, uh, pretty much weird mental state. You know, I've often told you guys that, you know, this show being a work in progress, one thing I would never do is pretend that I have it all figured out. You know, sometimes I get into these conversations and, you know, you know, I have I have really to be honest here. Sometimes what I have in mind and what eventually comes out, it's it's actually quite different. And I'm OK with that. And, you know, it's one of the, it's one of the, you know, time capsule aspects of podcasting that I really do enjoy. You know, you go back in time and relive the conversations and emotions you forget were there. And, you know, sometimes you just click off the recording, you say goodnight to the guest and then you move on. You know, life does happen. You know, with a wife and two kids, a mortgage and a full time job, it does. But when you go back to the editing session, you, you're, you're in the lab and you relive those emotions. It really helps, you know, when you, you realize where you were, what type of mental state you're in. And sometimes it can be a good place or bad and uh, it can be a tapestry of emotions. But for me, at least, as far as this recording is concerned, it really helps when the person you share the time with, you know, has the empathy and and the space, we always talk about holding space, the person has the space to receive you, you know, and receive what you have to share. So it was a lot of fun on this recording. You know, this is the kind of mutual respect, you know, vulnerability and brotherly love uh, that came out of this, uh, what I have to call an intimate, unfiltered and emotional exchange with my friend Dennis Gable. Even though he and I, he had never met. I have to admit this. You know, I have to admit this off the bat. He and I have never met, but we share this bond, uh, this relationship that I do not hesitate, you know, to call him a personal friend. Uh, he's someone whose friendship, honesty, good heart and willingness to always be real has nothing has been nothing short of humbling. You know, it's something that I truly hope I'm giving back, you know, because he's been such a great guy. Dennis is a dedicated father, something that actually makes him awesome in my book. As an entrepreneur, among his many ventures, he's the creator of the 52-card pick-me-up. It's a mental health tool for all ages, helping you identify and align, you know, the areas of your life that do need some attention and action. He is also a talented branding specialist, marketing consultant, and content creator, or as he's coined the term himself back in 2019, a bona fide brand producer, integrating traditional marketing theory, relational philosophy, and foundational creative principles. As a fellow podcaster, he is the creator and host of the Self to Society podcast, where he brings a vast and deeply masculine voice to the conversation on the topic of vulnerability and where he shares a deep understanding of the human experience through his singular perspective. I have to say this conversation is one of those wait, 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 we should record this type of scenarios where two men, two brothers sat down and chose to hold space for each other in a moment of kindness where each of them had a lot on their mind, manhood, confusion, the beauty and fragility of life, having the courage to be genuine in an age of hypocrisy, what it means to be a good person, and so much more. Unfiltered, unbothered, and strictly truthful. It's the best kind of recordings, you'll agree. So let's get into this. Awaken the Awesome, episode 197 with Dennis Gable. Here we go. What makes you so good at this thing, especially related to the title of your podcast, is that 
you really, you really show up. Like, showing up is, is um, let me say it this way. I know every time I hear from you that you mean to for me to hear from you. Yeah. And it's true. And that in a the world that we live in, where like automation is key and just send 40 people the same message <laughs> and like bro, you like you do this very very well. And I know. And so I know. I know the systems exist. I know the software exists and I know it'd be so easy to just send out like, you know, 40,000 texts at the same time. But for me, there's some kind of fluke at it, you know, and a lot of people tell me like, yeah, hire VA or hire something. But that would basically just dilute the whole fun of it because the entire point is to create these genuine connections, right? right? It has to be genuine. And I genuinely mean it, you know, when I say, you know, I care about what Dennis is doing. Like, how is he doing? Like, what's up? What's going on in his life? It's not just the Instagram because there also there's also a person behind that. And mm-hmm. I mean to care for that person because that person genuinely means something to me. You know, I'm not talking like, hey, what's up? Let's go. What, whatever is like, OK, like, you know, what's up with your mortgage? No, it's just like, hey, huh. Now he's helping real estate. He's just like, oh, okay. Even when I see your reels, I'm like, oh, okay. You give tips. Okay. He's direct. Okay. So that's what he means by a niche. Okay. Now he's really talking to real estate people. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's what you need to do. It's like, okay, good. It's like, take notes. <laughs> but aside from all that, say, like, hey, how was your day this morning? It's like, how are you doing? Whatever you're doing, you might be driving groceries. You might be on the toilet bowl taking a shit. I don't care. <laughs> just so you know, from this side of the corner in Canada, someone cares about you and hoping that you're okay. For me, it's just basic exact. If we can't, if we can't lose the fallacy of like, because I've experienced that unfortunately over the past couple of years, where you create these relationships and realize that see, I don't want to call it opportunist, but some people are more of a commercial than they are real, and I've had to back away from that. It's like, oh, okay, so that's you're just you're just showing me the Instagram now. <laughs> it's like, it's okay, and good on you, right? But. My but I, it really means a lot. I know we're blabbing, but it really means a lot. I, I really, it, I, it really means a lot to me that you know you you you'd see that. You know, for me, I don't do it for any kind of recognition, but it does mean a lot to me. Thank you so much. Of course. I mean, when I sent you a video the day after your birthday, I didn't even get your birthday right. Like I missed <laughs> it, and you still called me to thank me. Like that's, you know what I mean? Like and, that was a gem. That was a gem. I, if anybody ever says about me he's just he just showed up his instagram i'll quit bro i'll walk away from everything i've ever done in life because that that defeats my entire mission that's and you know what that's why you know it's so that's that's such a cool segue into the conversation because i definitely thought that was something that because it's been gnawing at me a lot this entire fact that um i I'm afraid that we're walking into Black Mirror, if you're a fan of, of the show, where, again, it's all about social clout. It has genuinely believed that, okay, how you show up on the algorithm is how you are considered, like, in the grand scheme of things, like your follower count, uh, your influence, if you will. Yeah. That's the new economy. That's the new business. And again, is that the new state of relationships? Because that's the thing. Something as genuine and what you and I have built takes time. It takes a uh, vulnerability. It takes audacity. 
It takes the will to actually show up as ugly and as you are. You and I have have had really deep, powerful conversations, yes, and you've had, you and I have shot the shit of like just blabbermouthing about whatever. But it takes that genuineness. But I'm afraid that has authenticity been diluted? Uh, is authenticity has been weaponized because it's, it's something that people throw about a lot, you know, as social media strategies. As an expert, as a person who's run the gamut about, you know the Instagrams of the world and the Facebooks of the world is authenticity something that where people are just throwing around as a fad or is it a tactic? What does that mean in this age of likes, Dennis? What would you say? Man, you're at that. You are starting me off hard. <laughs> um, Cause I've spent, I'm going to give you just a little bit of backstory. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been working with business owners um, specifically in brand strategy since 2017 now. And I got offered a job to work specifically with realtors and only with realtors. And I was like, or in the real estate space, not just Mm -hmm. realtors specifically. And I was like, "Eh, fuck. Okay. Um, It was a great offer financially, et cetera. It was a great offer. So I took it. So I, um, that relationship ended. I actually got fired, which mm-hmm. almost nobody knows. I've said like the relationship ended. I got fired for, a, I was told it was about production. I don't believe that that's true. That's another conversation that you and I can have offline because it's not relevant to the rest mm-hmm. of the story. Mm-hmm. So I was like, what am I going to do? I'll coach salespeople because that's what I've been doing. Um, so I start a sales coaching business, um, which I'm, I'm currently in the middle of launching. And last week I have a fucking existential crisis because I don't actually give a fuck about what people sell or not. That's not, that's not the actual thing that I care about. What I care about is that a human is willing to connect with themselves deep enough that they can connect with another human. Wow. And it has haunted me. I was about at the place of like completely dismantling and blowing up my whole shit. (laughs) Uh, I found a way to keep it together and, and re um, I was, I went live on Instagram today and I talk about building the boat while you're on the water. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, What people do is they'll show the, they'll show I'm going to build this boat and then they show getting to the other side. You don't see anything in the middle. And I was like, I thought to myself, what if I show everything in the middle from here on out? Every twist, every turn, every evolution, every pivot, and I'll just show it all. I'd, um, and so the, the question you're asking me about vulnerability in the world of likes and comments and engagement. Um, look, man, I'm going to say something that is very difficult for me to say because I want humanity to be beautiful. And I want humanity to actually be the thing that I think we could be, which is a kind, united system of people that genuinely reach out and look out and care for one another. Yeah. Unfortunately, we are a bunch of selfish fucks that will use anything in our way to get anything we want. And Mm -hmm. we've watched it since the late 90s, early 2000s. with kind of the rise of the internet and Mm -hmm. 
you know, chat, but then mid 2000s forward, so many people are willing to be anything that they have to be authentically in order to get to the end of their statement. Wow. And what authenticity, where authenticity breaks down for me and where I even hate using the word anymore, to be honest, yeah, is you can authentically be fake. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you can be a genuine asshole. <laughs> you, can, you can very authentically be something other than what you really are, <laughs> which is where the breakdown of authenticity really fucks me. Um, because when I say authentic, I mean to the deepest of my core, what I would like to be and be known for. And so I, I believe your, your cynicism or skepticism is on point that people are just willing to use this thing as the thing to get, deeper into the algorithm because it's the thing that we want people to do. That's, it's that's how I feel. You know, it's, I, I, I really believe that. And I believe, um, these tools are useful because mm -hmm. that's what allow us to connect. And for the, there's a tremendous value in that in terms of human connections. I believe these tools are essential at some point, you know, the pandemic, They've allowed us to entertain ourselves, connect ourselves, educate ourselves, everything. But right. we can't lose sight of the fact that if we go back to the age of Facebook, you can't have 5,000 friends. Okay, let's just be real. On no. a human standpoint, sure. You want an audience, but when it was capped off at 5,000, you know what? You can't have 5,000 friends. Okay, it doesn't, it defeats the purpose. <laughs> you, can't. you can't have 500 friends. You can't. That is not sustainable mentally, physically, socially. That is not, it does not quantify. It doesn't happen. But people uh, oftentimes dive into that black hole and are convinced that they can. You know, I need this. I need to entertain these people, you know? And it's yeah. funny that you're talking to me about the business and try, wanting to blow stuff up. You know what? Because a lot of people um, have been mentioning how, you know, I've been a little bit less uh, consistent as of late. And that has a lot to do with it. Am I really showing up as my authentic self? Because, you know, it's so funny. I'm making a weird comparison. Like, if you're a fan of, of, uh, of stand-up comedy, you always realize that the comics who are hungry and starting out always give out their best hungry material, like, in the first few years of the grind. Mm -hmm. But once they hit that Kevin Hart status, they don't even have to work for it anymore. So they're not, they're funny, but not as funny type of right. thing. I'm not comparing myself to Chris Rock or Kevin Hart. I'm just saying that I'm go I'm going currently through that because I go back to the first episodes and I genuinely hear myself like, my God, that was a good question. Oh, my God, he's so – dude, what did he – but I've – and I'm not hiding this. Like right now as we speak, as of this recording, I've got at least 15 episodes in the backlog like from last year up to this point, and I'm just sitting on them, and I'm just like – why am I doing this again? Am I doing this just to do this or because the audience expects me to do it? Or I told myself on a calendar that I should do it every week. Or am I bringing a genuine, authentic message of service that will help at least one person at the receiving end of this recording? Right. I'm struggling with that. We and a lot of people are telling me probably you're overthinking it, but that is real for me. That is real because at least I don't want to waste the guest's message. I don't want to waste the listener's time. 
And of course, I want this. I'm not looking for like 10,000. Of course, like, you know, Tim Ferriss numbers, Joe Rogan numbers. Great. Sure. We want to grow. But at the same time, I always want never want to lose sight of the authentic reason why I started this, which is to help even one person understand that in with in them is the strength to grow and be awesome. So Mm -hmm. that that I I heard you say that and I'm like. I was even two seconds away from like, why am I doing this? Maybe I should just pull the plug. Like, this is this is annoying. And a lot of people listening to us are, I'm sure, are dealing with that. Yeah. You know, having put in 10, 20 years into a craft or a job or a book or whatever, doing the same thing. And I guess we're trying to let them know that it's okay to have these feelings, aren't we? It's, hmm. it's a human feeling. Hmm. Man, say it louder. Um, it is super okay. And not only... Do I think that it's just okay? I believe that it's allowed to evolve. So you used comedy. I'm going to use musicians. There are bands that like, they just put out the same record 10 times in a row and they have to be miserable and they have to hate it. And they can't actually love playing the same song 40 times a night. Like it can't feel great. Mm -hmm. Um, one of the things that I would that I would love to encourage you to do is or think about is as long as you enjoy having these conversations, that's the magic. How it evolves, what it looks like, how it feels, if it gets more aggressive, less aggressive, more frequent, less frequent. No, none of that shit actually matters. What matters is that you still love it or like it. And if that's true, then love it all the way. Part of this, like me blowing it up thing. And you and I are going to vibe deeply in this conversation because I, um, the word that I use is ripple, right? I want to leave a, a ripple in the world. Um, and I have left many big, small, negative, positive, right? Because if, Um, if a beautiful fall thunderstorm hits, it's beautiful. No damage is done. All of the raindrops hitting the water, they're peaceful. There's no problem. When a hurricane hits, it's a fucking problem. And there's ripples on both sides, right? So I have done both and I know that. And I have, the question I asked myself was prompted by Mel Robbins she was um, con- in some way congratulating herself for being where she is and doing the things she's done. And she was like, just, I never thought I would be here. So what would you do if you could, what would you wow. do with you if you could do it? And that's not saying um, that's not saying you can do whatever you want. Cause I don't actually believe that that's true. I don't think any human can do anything that they want because we do a lot of things or we want a lot of things based on what other people say or do around us. Mm -hmm. Commercialism and, and the, the general society that we live in is proof of that. Right. But at your core, what would you actually do with your time? If you could, and I, this was five days ago. It fucking floored me. It floored me. I have a whole journal shit about it. I've talked to a few friends about it. Like, 
and two of the things that I brought up are um, being in a band fucking 24 years ago, <laughs> 22 years ago, and um, starting trying to start a, a multi-use art space a decade ago. Um, neither of those things panned out the way I wanted. So I just kept moving because that's what I do. Mm-hmm. I'm good at like, that didn't work. Fine. On to the next. Move like, on. Pivot. On Let's to, go. On to the next is my entrepreneurial theme song. <laughs> um, and finding myself now at 40 years old in a place where I just want to go back to the beginning and do the thing that I really believed in doing feels fascinating because I've spent 20 years trying to do similar things in a different voice. And none of it was nearly as impactful as the first version. Wow. So me learning to how to get back to the first version, which is challenging because back then I was a Christian and I could pastor, right? Like I could, I could step into these roles where I was immediately fulfilling the thing. I don't have that same opportunity. Mm -hmm. So, and I'm fucking way better today than I was 10, 20 years ago. Of course we've evolved. Um, We've evolved. That question that you ask yourself, like I'm going to go back to the the preface of how we started the conversation. You were Mm -hmm. really great at showing up for people. The fact that you didn't, I actually love that you called you and your wife a couple. You said, I didn't blow up or wreck the couple. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. I've actually never heard somebody address themselves and their partner by calling it a couple. Because it, it fe- what I first thought when you said it is that a couple is never one, right? Like it's metaphorically or po- poetically, it's such a deep thing. Um, and you didn't blow it up. You didn't, when shit got hard, it wasn't, you know, you kept perspective and now you're grateful for the perspective. Mm -hmm. My question to you in real time is, do you still love doing this? I genuinely do. I genuinely do because I keep going back to the fact, like if, as stupid as it sounds, sometimes because I've screenshotted this like years ago, and I screenshotted like the, when the this this thing was it's in in its infancy, and like you know when I first was in like my podcast platform, when you go in the background, I was like, okay, three downloads all right. time. You're like three people. We're making headway, right. <laughs> and you know what? I still go back to you know I listen to old episodes and I listen to the same excitement. And I see, like, I remember, like, you know, going out and pitching guests and, you know, falling flat on my face or people saying, yes, they'll be on it, but never show up. And, you know, getting on booking day, booking time, and then they go no show and, you know, just making posts and iterating and trying Instagram and trying this and trying YouTube and trying that and, you know, calling you for advice and calling other people for advice. The grind, but the excitement of sitting down, because for me, for me, like the real annoyance is really the the social media, but 
because we have to get the word out there. But for me, the the core, the basis, the conversation is gets me jazz every time. I could be I've done this sick. I've done this, uh, you know, with a headache. I've done this just after fighting with the wife or like, you know, yelling at the kids or tired. I've never canceled on someone just once. I was like sick as a dog and I really couldn't make it. That person was very understanding. But aside from that, you know, I always enjoy that. 30 or 45 minutes that they give me is for me the most precious thing in the world. And I honor that. And it always, always, always leaves me fulfilled. Always. To this point, I've never walked away saying like, oh, that was like, that was a chore. No, no. I always honor that in every way, shape, and form. So the answer is, yeah, it's a very simple answer. I really still do. And I guess I'm just, you know, just always making sure that I'm staying authentic to that. And I guess always taking myself as the guinea pig for our listeners. Mm-hmm. I guess also people, people, people want to know that it's okay to question yourself from time to time. Um, whether you have one episode or three or 10,000, I'm sure, you know, you're not Stephen King. So it's okay for you to write that first draft, that first book or whatever. It's okay. And you will find the iteration that works for you. But I'm guessing that these are, you know, internal conversations that I guess a lot of people are having, but, you know, are too scared to actually bring forward and have someone like you in their corner to actually, you know what, is that okay? Am I just crazy? (laughs) Of course it's okay. This is building the boat while it's floating. We just don't talk about that part. We're not willing, we're not willing to highlight. This is the problem with not highlighting when we fix on the fly. If I, I'm going to keep on this analogy. I build Mm -hmm. a boat and I put it on the water. Mm -hmm. I build it to the best of my knowledge. Part of what I built breaks. I then have to figure out how to build it better so that it doesn't break while I'm floating. That's worth sharing. Mm -hmm. And for some reason we find it as insecurity or we run from it. And I'm guilty of that so much. Like I'm guilty of, of, running and hiding from, I learned this lesson. I had to look like a complete jackass to learn the lesson, but I learned this lesson. And and there's so much beauty in that, um, which is why that's what I'm trying to embrace right now. Mm-hmm. What I'm trying to embrace right now is like, it doesn't make any sense. If I were to try to explain what I actually care about and what I want my life to look like, it would make zero sense. <laughs> Um, not to people who know me and, and love me. It would make sense to people who know me and love me. To the general public, they'd be like, what the fuck? This guy needs to chill. Maniac. Um, so my response to, to what you said is, um, and I'm, I'm more than willing to ha- help you with this, is to, to seek out one or two helpers. And I know you mentioned this earlier. People are like, just get a VA. That's not the thing. I mean, it is, but you've got to be comfortable with the person handling your thing. Mm-hmm. That's what most people who are like, just get a VA. They miss the fact that this is your baby. And if if you can't, you can't put it in the hands of somebody who isn't willing to honor it the same way that you do. That's Or, right. or at least match the quality at which you're willing to honor it. Right. Yeah. So, because here's the thing, um, what I care deeply about and what you care deeply about may be different, but how I could handle the quality, this Mm -hmm. is where it comes as a designer, right? Mm -hmm. 
business owners often are like, well, I want, uh, <laughs> I'm a realtor and I want a house as a logo. I'm like, that is dumb. It's dumb for a lot of reasons. What I'm able to do is honor your passion mm-hmm. better than you because I was trained to do the thing that you don't know how to do. That there you doesn't go. take away from your passion, right? Mm-hmm. So, so it's not as simple as like, just get a VA. It's not, it's not that simple. It's not that simple. Um, but finding, finding somebody through Fiverr, through whatever, that can take the full episode, cut out three 30 to 90 second clips for social media. Like, I don't know if you can bookmark in this system. So like in real time, while you're having a conversation, if you're like, oh, that shit was gold bookmark so that you're making it easier. And then you're out like a couple hundred bucks and you've saved yourself 15 hours, 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 bro. Because the thing that we are the least proficient at is the thing that costs us the most time. Mm hmm. And typically is one of the most affordable things for us to replace because there's somebody somewhere who's like really passionate about the shit that you hate and aren't good at. There are people who love Excel. Some people love Excel sheets. Some people love accounting. Give me that. I want it. (laughs) I want it. Um, Because this is a beautiful platform that you've built and and it's okay to question yourself and it's okay to rethink all of it. Um, but if you love doing it, you have to find a way to trick yourself into doing it and not, not letting yourself down. Fuck the audience. Like, and I don't mean that disrespectfully. Thank you for listening. (laughs) Like, uh, this, this isn't about, the audience. This is about you um, offering a part of your your human experience to other humans. There's nothing greater that you can give. You're giving your actual human experience to other humans. What other gift could you give? So this is about you being in love with it. And in as much as it's it is um, a passion point, a a symphony in your soul, right? Mm-hmm. Like I created a little Venn diagram the other day for my own self and in my existential crisis, and the three major circles were competent, passionate, and willing. And in the middle, wow. success. Wow. I'm sure that somebody has made the same Venn diagram before, but I've never seen it. So I made it for myself Mm -hmm. because I need to see it. Which is cool. Which is cool. But if you're competent and willing, but not passionate, it breaks. Mm -hmm. And if you're passionate and willing, but not competent, it breaks. Like if you're any two of those three, it is not fulfilling. Not going to work. But if you're competent, passionate, and willing, it is gold. You're every unstoppable. Time. It's you gold every unstoppable. time. I wanted to, because uh, we did get handle some points just before the recording, because um, that's something, of course, that's been coming up in a lot of conversations, both on and offline for me. Um, the, 
of course, the entire fact that we are social beings and on this quest for growth, a lot of us, um, a lot of people have been talking to me saying like, yeah, you often talk a lot, you know, mind your surroundings and cater your surroundings and be careful with your circle. And like, you know, if you're, if you're up among like, you know, five broke people, you're the, you're the six. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people are finding it hard to just cater and curate their social circle properly. Mm -hmm. And the fact that they feel like they are obligated to entertain certain relationships or like have a duty to always make themselves available. Um, and someone really close to me, um, I was really close to this person. And for some reason, the phone was ringing and the person was rolling their eyes. I was like, oh, I have to take this call. And I was like, no, you don't. No, but like, no, you don't. It's like, yeah, but the phone is ringing. Like, yeah, so? <laughs> you, them having your phone number is not a, you know, de facto authorization for you, for them to disturb you whenever they choose, you know? Especially if it's disturbing. Whew. Especially if it's disturbing. So, Dennis, you've run through the gamut of, like, emotions. You've been to some wonderful times and some dark times, and you've made the work to actually show up for us in with your beautiful self. Help them, those listening to us, or myself, to understand that, you know what? You have the power to ixnay relationships, whatever their level, mm -hmm. and choose who you allow in your space. Because, you know what? That can either fuel you or deplete you. And a lot of people, unfortunately, make the mistake of sustaining these toxic relationships. And that's what's holding them back more than anything, isn't it? In in many ways, yes. But I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna skirt around that that last statement um, just for a second because I don't think it's fair. Mm. Oh man, I want to choose my words very wisely. I don't think it's fair to blame my circle for my circumstance. Okay. I do think that it's fair to blame my circle for my inability or not blame my circle, blame me, my inability to love myself more or believe I have worth or cater and care to myself. I blame that on why the circle I have exists. Mm. Okay. I get it, but uh, I'm probably, okay. so, probably some people might be struggling with that one. I'll go. I'll go for a second. <laughs> um, there's there's multiple cliche statements around like you accept the love you think you deserve or, you know, you hurt people, hurt people. Like there's a lot of cliche shit around the general idea of what I'm saying. <clears throat> the reason that somebody would put themselves around a group of people or a singular relationship. It doesn't have to be a group. It could be one person that breaks them down, tears them down, drains them, empties them is because that the giving of themselves fills a deficiency. I'll say that a different way. When we feel empty about something or um, I didn't have a great father or son relationship. So I give all of myself in any capacity I can to serve men in my life. Mm -hmm. 
I am not shitting you. I've been on FaceTime with men that I know 10 hours this week, and it's only fucking Wednesday. Wow. Like, and this is af- this is offline, post-work, you know, like mm-hmm. spending time with men who are dealing with real shit because I didn't have it. So something that I was deficient in is the thing that I'm going to overcompensate for other people. There you go. Okay. Um, so if whatever those things are, for everybody it's different. And I, could, I can't try to outline each deficiency, right? Like mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. where the work of self-understanding really comes in. Is It's to everybody listening in response to Ollie's question is this. Ask yourself, what do I feel like I didn't have that I tried to give to the world? And what things have people said to me that have hurt me that I don't believe are true? Okay. I think getting to the bottom of those two questions helps us understand why why we frivolously do the thing. Why we give of ourselves, why we show up in relationships and situations that we shouldn't. And fuck, man, I'm so guilty of this in my life, which is why I've learned the lesson. Like, this isn't a book I've read. It's not a podcast I listen to. This is 40 years of me asking myself, okay, why the fuck did you do that? <laughs> and and I didn't really start asking myself that question until I was in my 30s. Like, mm-hmm. I asked it, but not quite as well as I ask it now. Um, so I don't think that it's fair to say that our circle is the problem. I think that it's fair to say that our inability to face the thing that we fear the most within ourselves is the problem. Mm -hmm. And because we're unwilling to face it, we keep feeding it with other people's bullshit and we keep allowing it to fill us because we're not willing to put in the work to fill ourselves. And that is a chore. It is a chore. Yeah. Um, Nobody wants to look within. Because sometimes the within is not uh, is not pretty. Uh, it's not even that it's not pretty. It's that it's painful. Nobody thinks they're pretty. Nobody actually thinks they're pretty. This is fucking fascinating. I'm gonna rant for like three. You're allowed. It's a, it's a. This is your. This, oh, this is this is a space, man. Safe space. Nobody thinks they're pretty. The people who overcompensate by trying to be too pretty are deeply insecure about their prettiness. That's why that's the only thing they care about. Mm-hmm. The people that don't use that or like they just are, they show up and they, they do the thing. They still can, they look at the world with a perspective of like, well, I don't look like that and I don't look like that and I don't look like that. I do it. There is a very specific looking kind of guy that if I see that look, that guy, I'm like, yeah, fuck like that dude. What couldn't that dude do? He could do anything, and mm-hmm. I'm out. Um, we'll just use Ryan Reynolds as the example, as like a, as like a celebrity <laughs> example. I don't look love like it, anything, love it. I don't look anything like that guy, right? But if anybody who's in that category, I'm like, fuck, dude, I lost, right? Is that true? No, but when I'm looking at myself, and and we have so much, we have so much data. People who are 
have blonde hair want to have brown hair and people who are tall want to be short and people mm -hmm. who are white want to be black and people who are black want to be white. And we like, we have so much data that shows like the thing that we are is the thing that we despise because it doesn't engulf all of the other things that we have around us. Mm -hmm. And so the truth is like, nobody really thinks they're pretty. We just use the insecurity in different ways. One thing I started to do with my kids uh, a few years ago is during quarantine, actually, that's a lie. It was 2019 before quarantine mm -hmm. is uh, I'd wake up and I'd say, golly, you kids are lucky. And they're like, why? And I was like, because you have the handsomest fucking dad on the planet. And I started to joke with them about me being handsome so that I could get over some insecurities of myself. Wow. It had nothing to do with my kids or like some of that was totally irrelevant. What was mm -hmm. relevant is that I was insecure about how I looked in certain ways mm -hmm. and I was able to defeat parts of it by, con by continuously telling myself I am handsome. I'm not the most handsome, but I am handsome, right? You have to project that which you you seek for yourself you have to speak it into the universe which is why we often say that words have weight mm -hmm. words have worth so be careful the words you put out into the universe that's beautiful that's be i'm sorry i cut you off no 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 it but that's that's kind of the point is like there's a world full of really beautiful humans inside, outside, emotionally, physically, like the world is beautiful. Yeah. Humans are beautiful. And, and yeah, we're all really different. And that also is beautiful, but our inability to, to just look at, look in the mirror to be sort of cliche and say, this person is enough man, it kills us. And then you add social media and the, the comparison of people's fake lives is like so much worse. The highlights, the perfect, the perfect reel, the perfect spot, the perfect grid, the perfect filter. Bro. Dude, it's a, it's a whole, it's, <laughs> it's, it's cool. Here's the thing. It's cool because it's a mechanism that we have to communicate with the world. Mm -hmm. You and I don't meet without social media. Totally. That's totally. beautiful. And we're a few years into a relationship where we're, we communicate at least a handful of times a year. Yeah. If not more. Yeah. Way more, obviously with like DMs and stuff, but like we actually will text or call a handful of times a year. Mm -hmm. Social media is not the problem our belief system that we have to be perfect for anybody to like us is the problem. And perfect is completely both objective and irrelevant. Mm -hmm. um, what's perfect for me is probably not perfect for somebody else. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we experience that with love, right? We experience that with all sorts of things. Um, we experience that with work. What some people, somebody's perfect job is not my perfect job. Yeah. That doesn't make it not perfect. It ju You just have to be honest with yourself that it is or is not the thing for you. What is your? What does your perfect look like? 
And Ooh. even if your perfect is not my perfect, that's okay too. We can yeah. still be okay. And I'm going to challenge a lot of people listening to this. Well, a very powerful conversation I had with my, I had with my wife uh, some time ago. Um, this is probably in a time where, you know, in the first two years of our marriage was a little bit rocky. Not rocky because I was making one particular mistake, which I learned to identify in the later years, where I was trying to be very, very pleasing. Hmm. In that sense, I was like, there was a lot of yes, dear going on, right? A lot of things, a lot of activities, a lot of places, a lot of stuff that she wanted to do, I didn't want to do, like wholeheartedly. But then I thought that, you know, to be a good husband, to be, a, you know, a proper husband, I would have to just like agree all the time. And it's only in the late years where I had a really open hearted conversation. Like, you know what? I just understood something. She's like, what? It's like, you and I are very different people. It's like, what do you mean? Uh, we didn't grow up in the same house. We didn't have the same siblings. We didn't have the same parents. We didn't go to the same school. We didn't go to the same church. We didn't have the same friends. We didn't go to the same concerts. We didn't fall mm. and have the crushes on the same people. We didn't come to Canada at the same time. We didn't go to the same college. We only met by happenstance through mutual friends. We started dating and then we started building a relationship. But you and I were already our own people 19, 18 years in. And that's when we started dating into our 20s. So there's a lot of baggage you and I are not aware of. There's a lot of conditioning you and I are, are not aware of. There's a lot of history, family history, religious history, social history, you know, that we're not aware of. All right. And just because we have a ring on our finger, we're just supposed to just magically agree. Doesn't work like that. You know, and I had to come to terms with that. So why I'm saying this to people is since we're still talking about relationships, understand that your best friends, your colleagues, your family, whatever they are. They are different than you, and you have to choose what are the parameters which you choose to um, evolve in. Like, if it's like, you know, okay, this, this is the line in the sand, and this is the line in the sand, and this is the line in the sand. For them, you know, just calling you 60 times a day, just to vent, might be great because, hey, Ollie's available, the Dennis is available, let me just go vent. Mm -hmm. As you say, Dennis, I, I know how to hold space, but I have learned also to create a barrier. Like, you know what? I'm not the person for you right now. Hmm. And that's okay. I have to live with those choices. And I may end up offending some people or not. But that's the prison that I do not want people to fall into. I guess that's the point I'm trying to make. Yep. Because you can't. It's hard to escape. It's hard to escape that prison. When you feel like you have to give yourself completely up for somebody else to be happy, and that could be anybody, could be your spouse, partner, could be a friend, could be a stranger, right? Like my son, this is, um, well, I'm a, I'll tell a couple things. One is when I have my son, my guy friends that I've talked to on FaceTime this week, they don't get that same space mm -hmm. because I've got my boy. And him and I are doing whatever we're doing, playing video games, watching movies, pillow fighting, whatever. Like people don't get that space. But mm -hmm. when I don't have him, the space is open. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's that's one thing. This is a real time story on the way home. Um, I'm I'm helping execute a media space for an art center here in town. But I'm isolated, like I'm in the space by mostly by myself while I'm there for six hours, three days a week. 
And being bum, I'm an extrovert to the max. And I was talking to my partner on the way home and I was like, I'm fucking tired. Like I'm going to go to the bar at the corner and I'm going to have a drink and I'm just going to be there because there's enough human energy that it will like lift me up. And she was like, cool, I'm going to take a bath. (laughs) (laughs) And so like the way that people feed themselves is fascinating for me. It was, I had to go be, it wasn't about the drink. It was about the energy energy of other people. I could hear the chatter and, and there's that like, it's like a fucking gas can for my soul. And for her, she needed to just go sit in the bath. They're the same, but they're very different. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I thanked her. I said, I, I really appreciate you understanding me. Like this is, and she's like, yeah, your bar is my bath. And there you go. that is what it is. Right. And so to the point that, that, about boundary is uh, let me say it better in order to, to succeed or to connect or to influence or impact people, you don't have to be an extrovert. You don't have to be a B C or D you just have to be really passionate and then you have to be really willing and you should probably be competent. (laughs) Yeah. Like to bring that Venn diagram back into order, like, and that conversation that you have with your wife is probably very challenging yeah. or at least slightly challenging because it, it, uh, it likely disrupts some expectation and it probably disrupts a little bit of like, well, we just have done it this way. Yeah. You know, and to anyone listening, thinking they probably caused like a lot of ruckus. No, if you bring yourself as, as you said, you know, with vulnerability, with truth and love, I did not say that to, you know, create any kind of rift, but it only sets. And this is why why I want to bring it up, because a lot of people don't know how to address, you know, or recalibrate these relationships that, you know, Mm. have been probably Mm. permeating their life for a long time. You have to have that conversation, as I did. And for us coming out the other end, my wife was open enough to understand that, oh, you know what? Oh, when Ali comes home and he goes downstairs in the basement and listens to jazz or reads comic books, he's not trying to distance himself from you. He's just trying to fuel himself for like two seconds so he can show up for me in a better strength and a better light. And I need to respect that. You know, if I say that, you know what, I'm going to go for a walk or, you know, you're just going to go, you know, read or, you know, you're on the phone. I, it, we, we can be different people, but that does not make us, you know, um, opponents or enemies or you know makes you allies aliens it makes us allies you know we can respect each other that's the word i was looking for you know the respect and understanding and the empathy to see the person in their reality and their comfort and their moment of refueling or recalibrating as i like to say and you can respect that understanding has quote unquote nothing to do with you mm-hmm. and that's the person is just doing them and they can show up for you in a better light and if they can't show up for you that's okay too because you can't be for there for everyone all the time everywhere that's impossible yeah and 
I'm going to take a step back to something that you had said earlier that we didn't really touch on, which is the the human desire to have like 500 friends or a thousand friends or 50 friends. Like mm-hmm. you can't do that. It's impossible to give. It's impossible to be whole and give that much of yourself away. I've got a handful of people in my life that are very constant and very present. I have a hug full of people in my life that are very present when they need to be. I've got a fucking lifetime of people that aren't very present, but they have access to me and I have access to them. Mm -hmm. It is impossible to give that much of yourself. It's impossible. And being an ally to somebody is not giving yourself up. It's not disregarding. It's not, um, cause we're, when we're an ally for somebody, what we're willing to say is I'm willing to step in and fight with you. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to fight the fight for you. I'm going to fight the fight with you. Mm-hmm. And man, I learned this in a heavy way. My last sort of bout as a pastor, um, is I ran a home church in 2015, 14, 15. Um, Because some friends of mine who are LGBTQ Mm -hmm. needed a place to feel safe, to talk about God and, and worship and honor that relationship. Mm -hmm. And they couldn't find a place. And so I created the place and that place was my house. And so every Saturday I would cook a meal for 10 to 20 people. And sometimes we would sing songs and sometimes we would just talk and sometimes we would, I would teach whatever. Um, And I really learned how to be an ally to my friends who just, they, they felt so outcast that they just wanted to feel a part, right? Of something. Of, of the thing. Not even of something generally, but like a, be a part of the thing. Mm-hmm. And one of the cat, one of the major catalysts to me identifying as an agnostic is the amount of times that I had to fight, I had to argue with people, with straight people, mm-hmm. about the same faith that all of us were trying to be a part of. Wow. And straight people would be like, "Why do Why do you do this? And why do they do that?" And I spent dozens if not hundreds of hours fighting for and theoretically with and alongside of my friends who chose a different lifestyle mm-hmm. they're just we're just humans i personally don't believe that sin is even the conversation right like we're just humans operating under the thing that we feel most naturally capable of operating under yeah and that feels godly to me when you can operate in the thing that feels most natural to operate in, so long as you're being honest about it and transparent yeah. about it, that is the most godly thing that we can do. And to argue you can live in your truth. Yeah. To argue. Oh my fuck, man. I spent so much time like defending and being an ally, a true ally for my friends that like, they don't need me to, to defend them. But when when other people are trying to attack them for no reason, 
the point, what made me think of this is you saying like, it doesn't impact you. This, the decisions I make don't impact you, right? Mm -hmm. Like whether I'm tattooed or not tattooed means actually nothing to who I am as a human. Mm -hmm. The color of our skin means nothing to who we are as a human. None. Who we go to bed with at night means nothing about us as humans. How much money we make means nothing about humans. Nothing. Uh, Nothing about us as humans. And so what actually really truly matters about living out the existence of being a fucking human is just being willing to be you. I like this. I don't like this, which is the hard conversation you had with your wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, yesterday. <laughs> I don't love Starbucks. I l- no, no, I, I don't. We agree on that one. It's like, I don't get, I don't get the, I, I don't get the excitement. That's just me. Um, I don't love Starbucks. My girl does, and so we we were walking to the coffee shop, and uh, she was like, "You're gonna get coffee from Starbucks," and I was like, "Yeah, this is relational compromise. Like, can I, it's just coffee? Like, it's just coffee. I'm gonna drink it for ten minutes. We'll be good. It's." But people get so hung up on the thing that they like or don't like. And and the point of me telling that story is like compromise is obviously real. Mm-hmm. It's not we're saying like, I don't drink Starbucks. So you get yours here and I'll get mine there. From across the street. Like, could you do that? Sure. Do some people do that? Sure. Is it bad? No. I I deeply yeah. believe that just... Um, And this is why my coaching feels so special to me. The reason why what I create feels so special to me is I'm just willing to let everybody in the room exist. When someone, when you can, when you can create an environment where the individual truly and wholeheartedly feels that they, they, they show up as their true authentic self that's precious because mm. you've allowed them to peel away the onion layers of fallacy and social media and just my perfect smile and the logo and the great website. No, I show up and yeah, I fart and when I sleep, that's okay. And that's okay. Of course. It's okay. Cause everybody does. Everybody does. Doesn't make you a lesser person. That's right. okay. That is okay. Like, you know, yeah. it's, it's something as basic, you know, we can still not watch the same shows. We, as long as we, I believe as woo as that sounds, I'm really of the, of the mindset that, you know what? Love is taught. Hate is taught. You just have to choose what, what words you come up to the world. You know, I don't teach my kids to look at one person or the other, but I'm open to the fact that some things are weird. Some things bother them. Some things they don't know how to interpret, how to interpret. And now they're just going to come to dad's like, dad, help me make sense of this. All right. Yesterday I was playing with so-and-so. We were good buds. Now today I want to play with her. They don't want to play with me anymore. What gives? Well, you know, baby, like, you know, maybe yesterday she wanted to play with you. Today she doesn't want to play with you, but that's wrong. That's not wrong. She just wants to play with somebody else. That's that's okay. Was she, was she mean? No, she just didn't want to play with me. Okay. That's cool. It's all right. And right. that's how wars start. 
<laughs> okay? When we get into a bigger interpretation of something that was pretty basic, I'm not I'm probably saying something totally controversial, but I really look at everything right now from the perspective of my 10-year-old. Like, you know mm-hmm. what? Don't make things too complicated. Don't get in your feelings about everything, okay? When someone, if someone on the school grounds like come and hit you or says a mean word, I will take it up with the, with the principal. I will take it up with the teacher. I will go to the bat for you. But a kid just doesn't, doesn't want to play with you. Hardly something that I'm going to say like, oh, that person is mean. And like, you know, it's because you're, you're, thi-. no, 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 no. I'm not teaching my kids that. Just learn to accept the world as you are and learn to understand that, you know, people are different and that's okay. That is cool. And you said something really interesting. You said that's what wars are started over. So you and I align on a lot of things. We don't drink Starbucks. We both enjoy beer. We like being vulnerable and honest and open with people. The list goes on and on and on. But I don't read comic books. Do you know what's not worth starting a war over? Something that you like and I don't. (laughs) Because I know that there's shit in my life that I like and you don't. For sure. But we spend, and and here's here's where it gets problematic for me. Uh, in uh, shit words, observation. This is where church politics, etc., become challenging. Is like one on one. It's really difficult to get two people to dislike each other just because they don't agree on everything. Mm-hmm. If they're if they're separated, right? Mm-hmm. Like you put you put the most left Democrat and the most right Republican in a room and they'll go, yeah, but like, don't you see how A, B or C and both of them will go, well, yeah, I I do. I just see it from this perspective. They're not going to get in that room and kill each other. Mm -hmm. You put those two same people in a room, mic'd up with glass walls and a, and a bunch of people to watch Mm -hmm. their, their flinch is to go, fuck you. I'm right. No, fuck you. I'm right. Because they're trying to prove to all the people that they're not weak, We're right. that, they, that they can stand up for the thing. It's so ludicrous. Any two people in a conversation probably are going to be okay. Yeah. The most far away opinions. And I mean that. Like, one of the things that was really great about Dave Chappelle doing the black KKK skit when he mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm is it showed a really, really interesting paradigm of the world. Yeah. But it also showed that, like, you put any two people in a room, they'll find something to agree on. They'll find something to agree on. They will find something to agree on. Sometimes you don't understand. You might think that you have absolutely nothing in common with this person. And you're like, wow, okay. Oh, really? You do? You have? We have this in common. We have that in common. Which is, which is amazing on a human level because, you know what? We are all human. Everybody understands love. Everybody understands fear. Everybody understands wanting to show up for your family, wanting to put a roof over your family, you know, being able to provide, being able to protect and being healthy. Basic, basic things, you know. We're going to extrapolate it to religion and politics. That's another story. But still, at the end, everybody understands basic needs. But unfortunately, everything's now become about clubs and clans and popularity. So, but that's yeah. the brokenness in here. That's the earlier when I mentioned like 
it takes an ability to love this thing to be okay with anybody else's version of our thing. Yeah. The, the guilty guy in the room is the most jealous <laughs> always, right? It's always the thing happening inside of us. It's never, it, I mean, never is probably a not fair swipe, but it's rarely the thing happening out there that is the problem. It's always the thing happening in here. Always. How? Because I want to be respectful of your time. I know, of course, we have to wrap it up I with don't, uh, I, being on top I of the hour. No I, but I cleared my, my life is open to you. Oh, I <laughs> appreciate it, man. Why? And I know we're just being very, very open here. Do you believe, how do we show up for the other? I'm asking this because you know what? Whether in Canada or the United States or the rest of the world, not to get all political, but just to be on the hum, human level. Yeah. I realize that unfortunately, whether it's politics, whether it's COVID, whether it's everything, I realize that the, our relationship and willingness to openly and vulnerably show up for the other has become a little bit testy. And I want people to understand that, you know, we should not lose sight of the beauty, as you call, of the humanity that makes us us. Mm. And how do we how do we make sure that we're showing up properly for the other? However, that looks, whether uh, a person that, you know, we can op open the door for or a driver who can just let pass or someone or our kids. How do we make sure that, you know what, cool. we're not tainting this beautiful soul that makes us human um <clears throat> i don't have an answer to your question but i don't know how to answer how because if i could my life would be in a very different place <laughs> uh because this is the question that we all want to know like this is the this is the problem that separates humanity is our inability. Well, shit. Okay. Our, the thing that separates humanity is our inability to look inward far enough to believe that we are actually our greatest problem. Damn We're it. Actually, what? Wow. <laughs> you just, you just laid that on me. Oh, that was heavy. Wow. That was a good one. I'm not sorry. That was um, a good one. We are our greatest problem. Always. But we refuse to look inward far enough to, to admit that that's true and to then operate in a way where we would have to honor that truth. So showing up for the other actually isn't even the right question. Mm -hmm. The right question is how do we show up for this? How do we show up for ourselves Okay. in a way where nobody else's opinion matters? What you believe, what you care about, who you love color your skin, what you believe politically, what you believe religiously. None of that shit matters because I love me enough that my world is good. Yeah. This is something I've learned from being a parent. Sorry, my ring hit my the desk. Uh, like, damn it! Uh, <laughs> so my, my nine-year-old son, bless his little fucking soul. He is just, he is a carbon copy of his dad. I grew up 
in a home where I was constantly told that I wasn't okay. There's a lot of choice words that my dad used that I won't use to Mm -hmm. slightly honor your audience. Right. Um, I was, I was told a lot of things to tear me down because my dad didn't understand or love himself. What I'm learning is the things that my son does that annoy me the most are the things about me that annoyed my dad the most. And so when I'm, when my son is doing something and I'm like, God, shut the fuck up. All I'm doing is, is feeling my dad tell me to shut the fuck up. And it's not about my son's behavior because he's just being a nine-year-old boy. He's not being bad. He's not being rude. He's not being aggressive. He just is existing. And so what I've learned is that my experience as a human has to be, at least in this scope, um, my job right now is to heal as much of my childhood trauma as I can so I don't project more shit onto my kid. Mm -hmm. So many people are mirrors for us. That when we see things, we're like, fuck that. And what we're saying is, I hate that about myself. I hate that I do that. I hate that I think that way, talk that way, look that way. Um, And so to, to embrace the other, really, truly, I believe, is to give ourselves enough grace to exist in and of ourself. And then the other doesn't particularly matter. Right. Nothing really matters after after that. Um, it brings it back to, you know, again, one of those choice words that become kind of a fad at, the, at this point, right? But self-love mm-hmm. is something that, and it's so funny you said it that way, is because my wife, because um, we have a lot of conversation, my wife and I, when, and sometimes, you know, you think I go heavy on the, on the question. Sometimes she just asks me one question, like, why are you asking me? Why are you asking me this right now? And she was talking to me about, you know, because I also went through a little bit of a lot. Well, not a little bit, a lot of insecurity growing up. And just in the way I was approaching how I was deconstructing um, those uh, challenges, if you will. And she was like, whoa, it's like, what? It's like nothing. We've been we've been together a while. And just hearing you, I realized that you know, you've done a lot of work on yourself as well. Yeah. I'm spending a lot of time with myself, so I might as well appreciate it. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm inviting a lot of people. And again, sorry if I triggered anything, by the way, um, not in me to anyone, to anyone listening. If you are in that funk where you have to, again, take ownership or take assessment of all the BS going on inside, uh, Dennis and I want to reassure you that that's okay. And um, you are not uh, defective. You are not um, a hindrance to anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, you exist uh, because whatever God, the universe, chakra, swarm, whatever, you understand that, you know what? Our existence in this one second of time and space is a lottery ticket, right? And by God, man, you are definitely something to look forward to. Mm -hmm. And the sooner you look inward and learn to forgive yourself for all these things, true or not, projected or not, you know, concrete or not, that you might be projecting onto yourself, 
you need to know that you can and will overcome as soon as you, just like Dennis and myself, learn to accept and love yourself for the incredible being that you are. And Dennis, you know, I don't just use those words because I genuinely know that someone over there is listening on the other end of this recording Mm -hmm. and is wrestling with that. The fact, how do I forgive myself? But I can't possibly overcome this. Well, yes, you can. As soon as you understand that, you know what? You are definitely worth all the love that, you know, that you have to give. But it has to start with you. Mm-hmm. You can't give what you don't have. 100%. Worthiness is a big deal for me. Um, I'm going to share some mantras that I share with myself, if that's okay. Of course. Um, the first one that I, that I learned to do was Dennis Allen Gable. I love you. You are more than enough. You are not too much. Not too much. I remember Um, that. That has evolved to where I started to tell myself, Dennis, I'm very proud of you. And I say it like that. I use that term, like that tense in that term, because I'm proud of you is not something that I heard. And so when I'm doing things that are hard for me to do, whether they're hard for anybody else or not is irrelevant. If it's hard for me to do and I do it, I'm willing to tell myself now, Dennis, I'm proud of you. You did something that was hard or you did something that was challenging. You didn't want to do, et cetera. Um, Another thing that I've started doing is in my meditation time, however people choose to find silence could be prayer meditation. I don't want to get hung up on that, but like, Mm -hmm the time that you spend with yourself is I've started to say things like I'm, I am worthy of joy. I'm worthy of peace. I'm worthy of abundance. I'm worthy of um, romantic intimacy. I'm worthy of being a great dad. I'm worthy of, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. whatever feels like the deficiency, replace it with the opposite and say, I'm worthy of, blank. Mm-hmm. I'm worthy of being loved. I'm worthy of peace. Fuck me. And there's been so much chaos in my life. And I know that that's something that most people listening can probably relate to that statement. There has been mm-hmm. so much chaos in my life. And me being willing and able to tell myself I am worthy of peace was more challenging than I'd like to admit. Wow. But it's true and and it's something that i say to myself literally every single day at some point or another i applaud you for that brother for this not easy because for some people the the chaos has become such a part of their script and their normalcy it's either something that they naturally gravitate to or for lack of a better word they actually create into their own reality just for it to be level norm because that's all they know 100 you know? there's and it's sad though um there's a couple things that i'd like to encourage the folks listening to do one is to um find one of the mechanisms of self-understanding like uh the enneagram or human design or some personality profiling thing that like helps e- externally from your own mind can show you things about yourself that are true or likely true outside of your control, 
I think that that's very important to do. Um, I, I always think therapy is a great idea, basically for everybody. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and more than that, I would, I would encourage, I would encourage people to find a way to dialogue with themselves. One of the fascinating things about being a human is we actually can answer probably most of our questions if we're willing to be objective in how we approach ourself. Yep. If I want a particular end goal, I'm going to find that end goal, right? But if this is something that I've done, uh, here's, I'm going to give an example. I have not chosen historically in my life. I have chosen um, romantic partners that didn't see me or love me or serve me in great ways because of their own things. Not that I need to be served. That didn't mean served. I'm <laughs> as fuck. It's uh, not the right word. I love um, you, man. Don't worry. This is a safe space. No worries. I, I appreciate that. What? Um, but I, I was, I would go on walks. I did this for a handful of weeks. I would go on walks almost every morning by myself. No, no AirPods, no nothing. And I would talk to myself, uh, which sounds crazy. And it can be, that's fine. I don't care if it's crazy. No, it's not. No, but it's not. I would, I would ask myself. Another thing why, we have in common. Why do I do this thing? Dennis, why do you do this? And as I'm walking, I would take a second and I would say, okay, uh, I'm going to answer the question as objectively as possible. I think you do this because A, B, or C. What I figured out about myself is most of the partners I've picked in my life had a specific um, relatability to me wanting to heal something about my mom. Mm -hmm. I would have never got there if I wasn't willing to ask myself the question. But I was willing to ask myself a, a hard question. Why do I keep, why is this like a broken record? Like rinse and repeat for me. Different types of things, different types of people. It's not like I'm carbon copying the same partner over and over and over. It was mm -hmm. different things, but each thing I could point to and go, oh, I think my mom never was willing to heal from that. I think she struggled with that. I think, and it broke me as a kid to like watch my favorite person struggle and fight and be so hard on herself. And and I think our kids see the same thing. When our kids see us destroying ourselves, they're just heartbroken. I tell my son often, my son is a fixer. He'll say some shit and I'm like, bro, I'm your dad and you're my son. And your only job is to be my son. You do not have to fix me. This is not, you're not an adult. You don't have to parent me. You don't, mm -hmm. he'll be like, dad, you're going 76 miles an hour. And I'm like, bro, just enjoy the ride. <laughs> that's it. Like, he's like, dad, the speed, that's not the speed limit. And I'm like, yeah, bro, I know. Nobody wants to drive 55 miles an hour. It's boring. Mm -hmm. Just kidding. Um, but being willing to tell him, like, just be a kid. I think so many parents dismiss the idea that our kids are watching us trying to heal us in real time. And then we get to adulthood and our frontal lobe finishes. And then we still try to do that through other people. Yeah. Oof. We I feel reset. like I blacked out and went on a tangent, but no, no, you didn't. You didn't because you know what, that, that speaks a lot to the fact that 
even as adults, a lot of us, even as adults, I'm 40, I'm 41. Uh, a lot of times, and I know this because you have to actually pull the brakes and take two seconds to ask yourself some really dumb questions. Do you have, do you really have it all figured out? No, you don't. Mm-hmm. Who taught you how to be an adult? Nobody. <laughs> it's like, how are you figuring it out as I go? Right. It's like, did anyone tell you how to have a kid? Like, not really. <laughs> no, I, I've had to tell my son, dude, I literally, this is uh, two weeks ago. I looked Nehemiah dead in the face and I was like, bro, I've never done this before. I can admit that I'm doing it poorly, but I've never parented you before today. Like I've never so, parented you today before today. So let's, let's try. Let's try. Sometimes you, and sometimes I'm very, cause I, it's so funny. I was telling my wife this today. We are very, the four of us, like my wife, my son, my daughter, we are very energy centered family. Like we talk about our energy a lot. Even mm-hmm. this afternoon, we talk about like, you know, I can come in with an energy of five. My wife will come in with an energy of three. My daughter will be at a one. My son will be at a four. And we're like, okay, we need to know what's the equation here. How is this going to impact someone? Because, mm-hmm. like, you know, my daughter might be going off on a tantrum, so daddy needs to pour into you and gives you time to vent. But once you vent into me, that has dangerous because mommy probably doesn't want her bubble burst. So, so that we always need to be aware of that. Right. So that's why I don't consider it a tangent because if going back to knowing yourself, if you don't know, you don't you you don't know how you're showing up and you don't know how the other person is receiving. So again, the it it sounds like a vicious cycle, guys, but it is very true. If you don't know what your triggers are, mm-hmm. what your ambitions are, what your likes are, what your dislikes are, and again, it's okay. You know, at some point, you know, I used to like to watch this show, now I don't want to watch shows anymore. Now I'm into books. It's okay to change. So your triggers might change over time and some might never move. There are some things which will consistently be non-negotiables and you need to be okay with that. As long as you're not lashing out or harming someone or yourself, guess what? It's okay. Mm -hmm. It's okay. And as Dennis said, therapy, circle of trust, people you can talk to, people who are reliable, people who will feed you know, your soul rather than deplete you and people, you know, that, you know what, this is a red zone type of situation. Can't speak to the wife. Can't speak to the kids. I need to go off for a walk and I need to pick up the phones. Like, okay, I'm having a moment right now. Do you have 10 minutes? That's okay. You need to have those people, you know, Mm -hmm. strategies. It's everybody's different, but these are things, these are actionable steps that I think that can be very useful in people's arsenal today. You know, it's, it's something that people need to hear. Yep. Dude, this has been a miraculously fulfilling exchange, Dennis. Um, I didn't know what this was going to bring, but um, I genuinely, genuinely want to thank you for, and this is coming from the heart, um, for being who you are, um, for being such a genuinely nice person. Um, I can't even explain it. You know, you're a wonderful soul. Always showing up with a smile. Um, you're not one of the fake ones. You are one of the real ones. Doing some tremendous work into the world. Um, I really, again, want to thank technology and these tools to help us keep connecting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, from Canada to wherever these words find you, you know you have a brother in me. I do. And that's not chum change. I cherish you. And, yeah, I do love you. You are not too much. <laughs> <laughs> 
you are not too much and you are enough, you know. And, yeah. you know, for for anyone listening to us who would like to connect with you further down the road onto the interwebs, shameless plugging time, where can we connect with you, my brother? Uh, anything related to the words Dennis Gable together. Uh, DennisGable.com, Dennis Gable on Instagram. Um, Instagram is one of my favorite places to connect because I can share so much of myself there. Um, I mean, if you go to my website, you'll like read my bio and see a video I recorded and that's not nearly as fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, my, I mean, shit, my email address is I am at Dennis Like I am Dennis Gable, but add an at and com. Boom. Um, Branding. If anybody has uh, legitimate, this is a, a, a real offer. If anybody listening has a question um, or would like to discuss any of the things that Ollie and I have shared, email me. Like I'm not, not opposed to that. The door is open. That's why the technology and communication exists. So yes. um, there it is. Anything related to the words Dennis Gable together, you'll probably find me. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, brother. Definitely. We'll link up all the links and all the contacts in the episode once it goes live. Um, you dropped so many gems, man. But here's a fun one. Here's a fun one. Just just, just dropping off. Just this, giving you the opportunity for, for a rant. All right? Yeah. Being very cynical as we are. I love uh, it. As you know, for me personally, self-help has exploded, has mm-hmm. become an industry. It's become a fad at this point. What is your one pet peeve about all, like, is it, too many posts is it like the reels coming up all the time like what is one like bs pet peeve about this whole self-help motivation bs going around the interwebs that is really getting on your nerves are you ready yeah uh when when men relate themselves to animals drives me fucking crazy (laughs) it drives me fucking crazy there's a lot of like the shit that's annoying like certain reels and certain trends and things like that. But when a man is willing to say like, I'm a lion, (laughs) just shut the fuck up. You're a human. Just shut the fuck up. You're a human. And nobody, nobody wants you to be a lion, especially men. Like that's the best part. If we were to talk about women being lions, like there's some shit to talk about because the female lion is a beast. A badass. They're badasses. Are just like, Lazy. They, they, just, they fucking stroke their own dicks for hours, and it is not. And nobody cares. <laughs> nobody cares. That's my. That's my. My pet peeve is when, when we try to like decrease our humanity by by um, comparing ourselves to an animal. Animals are less than humans. I believe that. Holistically, like the human being is the greatest fucking thing on the planet. May not be the biggest or the strongest or the whatever. Like, I'm not a shark. No, but do I want to be a fucking shark? No. No. Why would I want to do that? Like, it just is silly to me. Stop comparing yourself to being an animal and just be a human because that's better anyway. Love it. I love it. I love it. You got me. You are are the man. You (laughs) are the man. Guys, uh, wow. My friend. <laughs> oh my god okay oh where have so many hats entrepreneur podcaster Ooh. all around awesome individual true wonderful soul social media branding strategist please 
do follow and do show some love to Dennis Gable, DennisGable.com. Dennis, I am incredibly grateful for your time. Uh, this is not the end of our conversations, not even by a long shot. Never. But uh, for myself and on behalf of our entire audience here at the Waking Yasin Podcast, thank you so much uh, for your terrific energy and insightful knowledge. Uh, it's a privilege, an honor, and a thrill. Um, guys, friend. thanks so much for following this message, honoring uh, Dennis's time. Do share the episode, share the message. If this has resonated with you in any way, uh, please do. Please do share because uh, it helps us, you know, just push the mission forward. As always, awakenyawesome.ca, all the episodes, the back catalog. Stay safe, stay blessed, and as always do, stay awesome. This has been another episode of the Awaken the Awesome podcast. We always love to get your feedback, so please do drop us a line via Instagram, Facebook, or email. Our email address, awakentheawesome at gmail.com. Do visit our official website at awakentheawesome.ca where you can find our entire back catalog of episodes and incredible guests. Also, if you haven't already, please hop on over to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, give us a rating, and leave us a review, as this helps us tremendously in growing this podcast and spreading the word to more awesome listeners like you. We always appreciate your support, and thank you for listening. Stay awesome.